Not that you care, but I'm Ronnie West. Welcome back, everyone, to the Not That You Care podcast. On today's episode, I wanted to talk to somebody who is a fighter and probably one of the strongest people I've known my entire life. And that's my cousin, Malia. She is about six months older than me. Um, so, and we grew up playing and hanging out together for many years. And as life does, we drifted apart and I moved down to Illinois. She's still in Minnesota. But one of the things that I've always took from her and has helped me look at life is that you have to be grateful for just being alive and knowing what she has fought to be alive makes me appreciative and thankful for everything that I have because she's somebody that I completely admire and and wish that everybody had the same strength that she does. So let's talk to Malia Joy and we're going to talk about cystic fibrosis. All right, everybody, I'm here with my cousin Malia. She uh, is somebody who has taught me about perseverance and uh, just the willingness to fight and to stay positive. Um, and so I want to introduce Malia Christensen. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. Yes, thank you for having me. So one of the reasons I wanted to have you on is you're a few months older than me. Um, yep. so happy belated birthday to you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and so one of the things that we've that I've watched over my lifetime has been your struggle with cystic fibrosis. Now, I know a lot of people might not know what that is. Can you explain what is cystic fibrosis? How does it affect the body? And how are you most affected? Let's yeah. See. So cystic fibrosis, um, it's a genetic disease. So you are born with it. It's something that you cannot catch. You cannot give it to somebody. You're born with it. You're you know, since you're a baby, um, it affects the body by building up a thick mucus in your body and your lungs that really sticks to the walls of your lungs and basically drowns them. So there's different medications and nebulizers that we do to help us breathe, which is something I did my whole life, all the way up till I was 30 years old. Um, it mainly affects um, the lungs, but it also affects Affects the digestive system. Um, we can't digest our own food. So every time we eat, we'll need to take pills, otherwise known as enzymes. Um, we can't break down the food in our body. So we had to take the enzymes to do that for us. Um, so basically, it really affected my lungs and breathing. Um, you know, it, since it drowns our lungs, we have a hard time breathing. A lot of us have to go on oxygen just to get, you know, the air that we need. Um, it didn't affect me so much when I was little. I went in the hospital every couple years, a um, lot of doctor's appointments, but otherwise I was able to do some sports in high school, dance line. It was more in my 20s when I started to get a little bit more sicker. Hmm. And I remember growing up and like our, our mothers are sisters. And so we were obviously around each other a lot growing up. And yep. one of the things I remember were, like you said, the the endless line of pills, the yep. massage tables and all that stuff. So how has the technology progressed with medicine, treatments and home care uh, to now? 
Yeah. So when I was little, it was something that they used just their hands and they pounded on my chest and my back. Um, the, the, you know, the percussion of the hands beating on the lungs made us cough. So we could cough up the junk in our lungs, which was able to help us clear our lungways or our airways and get us to breathe a little bit better. We also breathed in medication through a nebulizer, which would thin the mucus out. So it was easier for us to cough up. I know that's kind of gross, but that's the best way to describe it. That's okay. Um, here for the growth. Yep. I want to learn. Yep. <laughs> and then when I was in about second grade, the, um, the vest machine was invented and I was able to get one. It was, um, you basically put on, it looks like a life jacket like what you wear out on the water, but it's hooked with like these two big tubes that was hooked to this huge, huge machine and it vibrated you. So that gave a lot of people to be more independent at home rather than allowing someone to have to come pound on them. They could just strap on the vest and do it all themselves. It took about half hour to 40 minutes um, and there was different frequencies. So a really low vibration to a really high vibration. Um, I We would have to do the vest about depending on how sick you were anywhere from two to four times a day um same with the pounding you know two to four different times throughout the day um now they still have the vest the machines have gotten much smaller when i when i first got it it was this huge cage and it was so heavy you couldn't travel with it now the vest machines are tiny you can pick it up one-handed you people can travel with it you know adults with cf are living longer so People with adults can just travel really easily nowadays. Um, Pill-wise, you know, the pills are always getting better. Medication's always getting better. There are a couple new drugs that are out there right now. Um, I I might pronounce it wrong. I think it's called Dracafta. Um, it's a very new drug that's come out in the past couple years, and it's almost curing cystic fibrosis in the body. Wow. There are people who have been on the transplant list that are really sick that started taking this pill and they've gotten so much better that they are no longer needing lungs anymore. Wow. So it's pretty cool. <laughs> That's great. That's great. I, yeah. I, had, I got to experience not your vest. I, there was a buddy of mine in college that had cystic fibrosis as well. And he let me try okay. the vest on and it yep. is an ab workout. I can tell you that. It is. It pounds you hard. Yep. Um, I had a six pack when I was in high school. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and going on that, like you said, with the medications and the treatments, uh, tell about, tell us about your amazing caregivers who have helped you along the way. I know you spent a lot of time at the university of Minnesota children's hospital as well. Yep. As, like I know I did the CF walk to help raise money. Yep. What, are, what are some other organizations or ones that you've been impressed with or happy along the way? Yeah. Um, you know, I love the University of Minnesota, the CF centers there. They do so much good fundraising. Um, a lot of it is through the CF Foundation, um, CFF.org. Um, they have many walks throughout the, you know, throughout Minnesota, the CF walks in Mankato, Minneapolis, St. Paul, just kind of all over Minnesota. I believe there's even some up north and near Duluth. I'm not 100 percent sure. We have um, Naperville, Illinois. OK. Oh, did you guys really? That's sister. cool. Yeah, I mean, they're they're all over the U.S., not just Minnesota. Yeah, they're all over the U.S., but um, it's called Great Strides. Um, they also do CF Climb, which is, you know, 
here in Minnesota, it's the IDS center and you climb 50 flights of stairs. I think I did that three times after my lung transplant. Um, something I've never been able to do before. I've always struggled with stairs. Um, but that's another huge organization that raises money for CF. So, but, um, and you mentioned it a little bit like growing up, but how hard was it to deal with it as, as a young adult and, and what was school like? It was, were obviously you said it was wasn't too big of an issue during high school but did other kids know what was going on did you have to miss a lot of school how did that go yeah in high school I actually didn't miss a lot of school I think I missed more just for like doctor's appointments you know a few hours here and there um every couple years I did have to go in the hospital for what they call a tune-up for two weeks just to kind of make sure you're getting all your treatments and your meds in kind of clearing the clearing your lungs out for a little bit, just making sure you're staying really healthy, especially if we're, you know, struggling a little bit. Um, the kids in my school did know I was sick. Some of my closest friends knew what it was and knew more of it, knew of my treatments that I had to do and the pills. Other kids didn't know a lot about it. They knew I was sick. Um, with CF, you do, I didn't mention, but you do have a persistent cough. It sounds like a smoker's cough. It's a hacker's cough. It's mm -hmm. really bad. It's really loud. Um, one time in high school, I had a kid, I was coughing, I was having a little spell and the kid turned around and says, geez, lay off the cigarettes. And I just kind of chuckled, you know, chuckled away because I knew he didn't know me that well. But my best friend after that class got over, she let him have it. <laughs> Oh, she was she was she was very upset. She's she thought he knew and he had he had no idea and he did come up and apologize to me and he felt so embarrassed about it. But some people just didn't know I was sick at all because I could hide it very well. So, you know, in high school I was still able to do volleyball, softball. My senior year I did dance line. So I was still pretty active. So I wasn't as sick as I was once I hit my twenties, like in mid twenties. Yeah. And like you said, uh, you did uh, granted, I knew what was going on, but like you said, you did hide it more or less pretty well, just because you yep. were so positive. I, you can, yep. sure our listeners can hear you have a very upbeat personality and, and this persistent energy and the willingness to, to keep going. Cause I know when, when we were both born, the life expectancy was 16 and now here yeah. you are. Now life, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. You, you've, you've lived a lot longer than what was expected, and so that's amazing. Yeah. That's yep. partly because of one, your positive energy, and and just always being appreciative of just being alive. And that's one yeah. thing that I've always admired from you. And that I, anytime I was thinking like, okay, I got a tough time, or and I turn around and think like, Malia's positive. I got to be positive. So, <laughs> yeah. What gets you up each day and? what were some of the, the harder times and what helped you push through? Yeah. So what gets me up each day? You know, I've just, you know, I'm not sure. I've just been like that since I was a little kid. I just never let things get to me. I don't like to be negative. I don't like to get, you know, be down all the time. Um, I guess growing up, I had just, you know, being in the hospital and seeing all these nurses and the respiratory therapists working so hard to keep me alive and the doctors, I just, I never felt like I wanted to give up. And it's just something that's always, you know, been on the back of my mind. Like, I want to be happy. I want to be an example for other people who are having a hard time saying that, you know, there's always someone out there going through something worse. And that's something I tell myself, too, that there's always somebody going through something worse than what I am. So that gives me, you know, that little extra courage, too, at the end of the day. So absolutely. Yeah. Next question I have to say, I got a little choked up when I wrote it, even though it's a very simple question. <laughs> 
but who is Andrea Cleveland and what does she mean to you? Yeah, so Andrea Cleveland uh, means the world to me. She saved my life. She was a 16-year-old girl who was in a car accident and pronounced brain dead, and she was a donor. And at that time of her accident, I was in the hospital with maybe months left to live. Um, I was told I needed new lungs, and I didn't have very long to live, and I received her lungs. Um, So she basically literally saved my life. So to her, she's my hero. I think about her every single day. Um, I think about her family every single day. I've met her family. I've met her siblings. I've met a lot of her friends and extended family. And they are just are all of my thoughts and prayers like all the time. But yeah. she's just someone that was just a courageous little 16 year old who really wanted to be a donor. And she let people know that when she got her driver's license, she and she ran into her high school saying, I'm a donor, I'm a donor. Because she was so excited to do something if something happened to her. Not, not that she wanted anything to happen to her, but you know, she knew that if something did, she was going to save people. And she did. She saved a whole bunch of us. Yeah, that's cool. Especially with donors and seeing you guys' relationship with her family grow over yep. time. And really powerful to watch just because it's obviously for them, that's a really hard loss. But to know that they gave you life and, and like you said, numerous other people. It's yep. overwhelming sometimes to think about. Yeah, it, it is. It's it's very bittersweet. You know, when I met them, it was there was so many emotions going through me. And even when I found out that they had lungs for me when I was laid in the hospital bed, like I was so blessed and so joyed. But at the same time, there was just this darkness and a sadness because I know somebody lost their life and I knew a family was going through their hardest moment ever. So like my happiest moment was their darkest moment and it's kind of like how do you how do you celebrate that so it was really hard (laughs) yeah like you said you went through the 20s and had started dealing with some issues and so now we're jumping from that to another not great time yep through 2020 how did the pandemic affect your health I'm sure you were probably in a bubble because I don't I I, obviously with a uh, like a respiratory disease or virus that corona was that obviously almost seems like a uh like a evil demon or something that's coming after you. <laughs> <laughs> yep <laughs> it was it was scary <laughs> what kind of bubble or what kind of precautions did you take for the last couple of years yeah so i pretty much went nowhere i stayed home i didn't go out didn't go out to dinner didn't even go through fast food drive throughs didn't go to church um i went to appointments and even that they even started doing appointments actually at video just to keep patients safe unless you absolutely had to go in. Um, so I did go in a few times to get some tests done. Otherwise it was like stay at home, do video or phone calls. Um, so while there, I just, I just stayed at home in a bubble. If I had to go somewhere for the doctor, it was wear a mask, hand sanitizer, you know, and sometimes that stuff was hard to get a hold of. Yeah. But I had a lot of people that were thinking of me and I had a lot of people um, in my town and some relatives that would find hand and san- or hand sanitizer and the Clorox bleach wipes and were giving them to us, giving them to me and my parents to give to me just to make sure I wouldn't run out. So that was really nice for people to, that people thought of me to do that since they knew it was so hard to get some of these items. But um, I ended up, I did get COVID um, back in January and I was, just fine on it. Luckily, my case wasn't bad. I've got all the vaccinations and the booster. So I don't know, you know, if that really helped. I'm sure it did. But um, I 
I only felt like I had a little hot cold through it. But when it first came out two years ago, I was very scared. <laughs> well, I'm glad. very, very nervous about it. Yeah, I, I was nervous and I'm, I'm more or less healthy, quote unquote. So, yeah, that's yep. good to know that it wasn't that big of a, an issue for you. Like you said, it, it yep. cold. Now, I've, obviously, I've been keeping up and, and you sound amazing right now for somebody who's had so many things go on <laughs> Thank what you. are the biggest challenges that you're facing right now I think are you currently still on some donor lists right now yep so right now I need a kidney and a pancreas um I'm having a little bit of insurance issues and I have to make a couple more appointments one to talk with the kidney transplant surgeon once we get those kind of things settled you know settled and get the appointments done with I can be activated again I've been on the list I believe now for it'll be four years this August so my I have put my time in so as soon as I can get activated um, I should be getting a call it could be anytime very shortly here once I get activated for a kidney or a pancreas I could get calls it could just be one and then one down the road Um, we're not sure how it's going to actually happen until it does but Gotcha. Now, I, this is a question I didn't send you. It's just one that yep. came up the top of my head. Now, I've always been curious about this since your lung transplant. So since yep. cystic fibrosis, the primary, like, like you said, it affects certain areas. Are you still considered to have CF with new lungs? Or obviously, I know growing up, like the pancreas, like you said, was usually like the processor of a lot of this. Yeah. Yeah. So are you still considered a CF patient or are you, is there something else that I, yeah, I am a CF patient still, but I'm post transplant is what they call it. Okay. So there's like CF patient pre-transplant and then I'm CF patient post transplant. So I still have the other CF aspects that affect me, like the digestive system, the pancreas not working. You know, I have a lot of other health health issues too, like diabetes, um, which all kind of ties together with CF anyways. So, but yep, I still am considered to have CF. Okay. So that are you doing still the same nebulizers and some of the same stuff? Um, I am doing one. Yeah, I am doing one nebulizer every two weeks on and off um, just to help. Sometimes I get the upper respiratory gets a little junky. So but I do not have CF in the lungs anymore. That is totally gone. When you get a yep, when you get a lung transplant that kills the CF in the lungs, you do not have it. It cannot grow back. Now, if I were to have if they were to transplant one lung in a person with CF, then that that new lung would be affected by the old lung, but that's why they don't do CF. You automatically get a double lung transplant. Okay. I did not know that. That's yeah. Why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so where are places people can go to learn more about cystic fibrosis and wanting to help fight the cause? I know you mentioned great strides. Are there other organizations yep. or other foundations that are helping promote yep. or to fundraise? So another, the best one is probably the CFF.org, the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation.org. Um, a lot of times you can find people on Instagram. Um, there is a lot of people with CF on Instagram that just record their lives with CF and their journeys. Um, I follow a ton of people on Instagram that have cystic fibrosis. You can, you know, you can put in, you know, searching hashtags, you know, cystic fibrosis, just breathe. Um, 65 roses is kind of like our nickname for it. And a lot of those people will come up, you know, 
that shows that they have cystic fibrosis and you can follow their journeys. So that I always thought that was kind of interesting to get to know people and look at other people's lives with CF because they're so similar to mine, but yet they can be. Are there support groups or I would assume that like, that sounds like a great bonding experience to at least yep. having people that are going through the same issues as you. Like obviously if there's AA and all kinds of other stuff for, yep. for that stuff, but I would assume that there's probably a pretty good support system with other people. Yeah, there's a lot. I'm not sure a lot online. I'm on one for lung transplant. Um, Like people who have had lung transplants or are waiting, I'm on one through Facebook. Um, That's been really helpful because we've learned a lot of stuff, you know, that people might be going through the same thing or if we've had a medical question, you know, oh, has somebody been on this and had this side effect? You know, we can find it out. Um, That's been really helpful. When I was growing up, you know, there really was no social media. So there really was no online support group. Yeah, there wasn't really anything. So I never really had anything along that line to help. Um, When I first started with the lung transplant journey, there are support groups that were held in person up at the U. Um, And I think my mom and I went to one or two of those, but then we stopped going. So it was just a little bit of a hike to get up to Minneapolis every Monday, or maybe it was once a month. But, um, but I do like the online ones now. They're really nice. And I have met a couple friends um, who have also have CF and they've also had a lung transplant. And there are some of my really close friends now on social media that I talk to all the time. So that's been a really big help too. No, that's really cool. And like you said, you're online. If you're willing to share, I know, where can we go to follow you? I know I, I'm like Caring Bridge is one of the places that your mom yep. keeps up an active blog and kind of keeps, gives us updates. Cause obviously I'm sure you don't want to talk about everything that you're going through. Yeah. Sure she yeah. doesn't either, but at least she's been very, been great with informing <laughs> all of us that are wanting to know what's going on. So yeah. go and follow and cheer you on. Yep. So if you go to Caring Bridge, <clears throat> excuse me, um, it's my first and last name. Um, Malia Richter, um, and it's, I don't know if you want to do the spelling or if you want me to, but, um, Malia is, what was that? I'll add it in the podcast. Okay, perfect. (laughs) Um, you can just look up that, my first and last name there, even though my last name will be changing, but, um, that's what it is for right now at Caring Bridge. Otherwise, same last name, first and last name, Malia Richter on Instagram. Um, I do some posts, not a lot. I'm not a... I'm not big on social media. It's hard for me to keep up with stuff. Um, I like to look at stuff. I'm just not very good at updating. <laughs> but, <okay>. um, <laughs> yeah, but there are, there's, you know, you can go back through pictures and stuff and see different stuff that I've gone through. There's, you know, something more serious going on. I try to put a post up or something. So, and, you know, on Facebook too, um, same person that last name. So those are some of my social pages that um, you so well awesome well thank you so much i know this felt very short even though we've been on here for a little bit but uh, it's been great to to have you share and explain this to everybody that might not know what cystic fibrosis is like obviously for both of us our whole lives we've been trying to get the word out uh just know about it and like we said the the funding and all this and the technology that has been going into helping it like you said that new medication that i didn't know about is great to hear about so again, I yep, yep. thank you for coming on and sharing all that stuff with us. Not that you care. Yes, you're welcome. No problem. I'm Ronnie West. This has been Malia Joy. Thank you so much. Thank you. 
Well, that's going to do it for this episode. I want to thank you for listening, and I want to thank for Malia for joining us. If you had any questions or interest in learning more about cystic fibrosis, make sure to check out cff.org or check the podcast descriptions for more information. We've got a lot more podcasts coming at you in the next few days. Make sure you're checking that out and hitting up our Instagram and Twitters at runwestmedia.com to learn more. Not that you care, but I'm Ronnie West, and I'll talk to you next time. Not That You Care is a 2022 Running West Media production.